Welcome to the Bank of Me podcast channel, looking at how individual and team performance build strong cultures. Hosted by James Sparrow and Chris Preston. You are listening to a deep dive episode. Hello and welcome to this Bank of Me podcast. I've invited my colleague Becky Matthews, the head of our physiological faculty, to join me to discuss some of what contributes to high performance, but from a physiological focus. Becky, welcome. Thanks for joining me today. Um, I think we wanted to start today with a look at actually what underpins physiological focus. What are the kind of key elements that you see and you experience in your work? At Bank of Me and also with my own personal clients, we concentrate on three different elements. We concentrate on sleep, exercise and nutrition and hydration. We like to show these as a three-legged stool because each of these is equally as important and each impacts the other um, throughout our daily lives. So let's get into this a little bit then. So you said sleep, nutrition and exercise. Where have you seen somebody have a really big impact on their lives and their performance through just one of those. Can you give me a kind of example or a story? Whenever a new client comes to me or when we're working with Bank of Me, um, you look at all three areas, but it tends to be that one seems to be out of balance and in the red more than the other. Usually the thing that we cut down on the most and we take for granted is our sleep. So that seems to be the first thing that we'll cut back on. I see this with a lot of people who work in the city. They work very long hours um, they get up very early and then they don't get home till seven, eight, nine, sometimes o'clock at night. And then they're trying to fit things in, like with the family, they're trying to fit things, extra work in, trying to get maybe a workout in and also finding time to eat before they go to sleep. So because they're a very, very time poor, sleep seems to be the things where it affects their lives the most. Okay. So... When you are working with these people who have cut back on sleep, who are sacrificing their sleep in order to try and squeeze more into their lives, how do you see that have an impact and bleed across the other two areas? Because you said this is a stool and if it's out of balance, then I imagine that has an impact elsewhere as well. Yeah, definitely. And to start with, it's trying to get people to realise that sleep is just as important as nutrition and the exercise. What I see happening is people then, if they're lacking in sleep, they're not getting their five cycles of 90 minutes per night um, or aiming for 35 cycles per week, that actually they're going to start to snack um, in the afternoons. They're going to make unhealthy choices because you go to your coping mechanisms when you're that tired. So rather than planning ahead and thinking, right, I want to make sure that I eat three meals a day throughout the day, actually they'll be grabbing whatever's to hand. They'll be grabbing something from the train station or maybe some unhealthy snacks that are in the office which then will have an impact on their mood it will have an impact on how they perform throughout the day and also then it will go on to impact their sleep as well if they're not eating and exercising well and efficiently then they're not going to have a good pattern of sleep so it sounds like reducing your sleep and not prioritizing it can actually be the start of a bit of a vicious circle with the other elements as well have any of your clients or any of the people you've worked with through kind of the bank of me work made positive steps and positive changes around sleep where have you seen them have a really good change take place and have an impact 
Yes, one of the most memorable clients that I worked with where he went on to impact other people as well was a gentleman called Steve and he got given some personal training vouchers for Christmas by his wife and he wasn't keen to do them at all but I had six weeks of working with him three times a week and he wasn't keen to do it he worked in the city so training sessions were at 5am which wasn't particularly pleasant for either of us but he started to notice over the six weeks that his sleep pattern which is something he'd really struggled with his quality of sleep was so much better he also started to make better nutritional choices because he wasn't as tired and he found that once he got into the habit of exercising that actually it was quite easy to build into his day he then stopped training with me after his vouchers ran out and we, I just carried on working. And then I had a phone call from him about six weeks later saying to me that he'd really noticed that since he'd stopped exercising and training with me that his nutrition had gone back to normal and also he'd started to have bad eating habits. He'd started drinking more again, which was affecting his sleep, but also he was finding it very difficult to relax in the evenings and drift off to sleep. So we've worked with each other ever since and I phoned up his office a couple of weeks ago just to see if I could have a catch up with him and he actually, his PA actually said to me that he wasn't available because he'd taken the whole office out for an hour for a walk-in meeting to energise them and just give them a break from their working space which was, as you can imagine, music to my ears to hear that he was encouraging other people to exercise and that he, him himself was actually building physical activity into his day to improve not over his working life, but his general health as well. And did you get any reports on whether him building in things like the walking meetings was having a, an impact on his sleep again? Because you said when he first worked out with you, his sleep pattern stabilised and he got better quality. Yes, and over the six weeks I first started working with him, as you said, his sleep pattern improved. As soon as he went back to his old ways, his old habits, his sleep deteriorated. And he didn't want to link the two because he didn't particularly want to carry on with the exercise to start with. But once we started training again, he started walking more. We started our sessions just twice a week and again, straight away his sleeping patterns started to improve. We also did change his sleeping environment slightly at home because he was always on his phone right till the last minute before he went to sleep, which then he struggled to drift off to sleep. So we made a few changes to his sleeping environment as well, which also helped. But he he believes as well the exercise and nutrition played a real key. I can imagine that would be really powerful because if you've then got somebody who's creating a culture at work where people are looking after each other and exercising together, even if it's just walking and walking meetings over lunch, things like that, that kind of starts to spread it, doesn't it? Definitely. And just setting that example and just showing how much they saw how much he changed because he used to be a really miserable gentleman and people would admit that he wasn't particularly fun to work for but just how his attitude changed he took it on board and he went with it and he has educated his team and the results have been absolutely fantastic brilliant thank you so just to close off on sleep as the kind of first leg of the stool that we focused a lot of our attention on there are there any kind of tips you would give to people about how to get more sleep and better quality sleep what would you advise as I mentioned earlier, sleep is actually in 90-minute cycles. So when you're looking to get eight hours, it's actually better to look at the time you've got to get up and then count back in 90-minute segments. I don't know if you've ever found yourself that you've woken up quite early and you feel absolutely fantastic. You've pressed the snooze button, though, slept for another half an hour and then feel very groggy. And that's because you are getting into the next cycle of sleep. So actually, you could feel worse. There are lots and lots of ways of getting into a good routine with sleep. 
One of the things is a good sleeping environment. So you want to make sure that the room that you sleep in is cooler than maybe other rooms in the house. It's been proven that going from a warm body temperature to a cooler body temperature can help. So maybe just going, having a, a warm shower and then going into the cool room that you're going to sleep in can really help to get you to switch off and wind down. Also making sure your environment is clutter-free. I know that I'm the worst for having washing and things like that in my room and it can make you feel very, very kind of claustrophobic. So having a completely clutter-free environment is another way to make sure that you get a good night's sleep. Other things like technology, it's very important that for an hour and a half to two hours before you go to sleep that you turn off any technology. In our day and age of all social media, getting emails through at all times of the night, it's very easy to have your phone next to you. So I would recommend that anybody just takes their phone out of their bedroom. Lots of people say they use it for their alarm clock. So I would just say get an old-fashioned alarm clock rather than using your phone so you're not tempted to pick up and scroll through, through your phone because you could, could get you to starting to think about work emails and then you'll just find that your mind is just full of things that you're worrying about. If you do find that you've got into the habit of doing that, then I'd recommend doing kind of like a brain dump where you just write down on a notepad next to you all the things that are worrying you just so you've written them down, you've cleared your mind so you know that you're not going to be worrying about them at night. Great, thank you. So moving on then, um, the other two legs of the stool. So we've got exercise and nutrition. And you've already said all three of these are as equally as important as each other. Got to have enough focus on each to make sure we're in balance. If we were to focus for a moment on your story, you said about the walking meeting at work. Let's go for exercise. What other tips would you give people who are already struggling to fit what they want to fit into their day? Into their day, how, how should they try and build in bits of exercise? What's going to make a difference if you're really struggling? I think the important thing is to remember is that you don't have to go to the gym or play a sport to get exercise into your day. It is about getting your neat up, which is non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So it's your taking the stairs rather than the lift. It's your maybe parking a little bit further away from the office to get your steps up. It's walking to work rather than taking the bus. It's those things that you do on a daily basis that make the most difference. So it's not thinking I've got to fit three gym sessions in a week, or I've got to go and or find a time at home where I've got to train. It is just getting those basic activity levels up throughout your day. So if you are time poor, which is something that the clients that I work with that I see a lot, it might just be a 10 minute brisk walk on your lunch hour and then a walk to or from the station in the morning is um, all you can fit in. And that is absolutely fine. So it's just looking at ways of building it into your day. It also has to be something that you enjoy. If you don't enjoy what you do, then you are never going to be consistent with it. And the key is to be consistent because there's no point having a gym membership where you go religiously every single day for two to three weeks and then you don't go for the next six weeks. Okay, it's got to be something which you can fit in daily, weekly, and then you maintain um, as you go. Thank you for that. Some really useful tips there for people who are kind of starting out. But I'm I'm curious because I I do quite a bit of exercise myself, but um, I do still sometimes find it difficult to fit it in. But if if I'm going to try and maximise what that exercise does for me with my physiological health and performance, what, what would you say about how much I should be doing and what kinds of activity I should be looking to? 
Well, we're advised by the World Health Organization to do five lots of 30 minutes exercise per week. And this can be a mixture of cardio, so when you get your heart rate up, people like to do Zumba, running, walking, anything that gets your heart rate up and you're slightly out of breath, as well as mixing this in with strength training too. Strength training is so important, not just to boost your immune system, but also for bone health, keeping a good posture and keeping you strong, flexible and supple as we age. We're living to an older age as a generation, so it's so, so vital that we're getting the strength training in as well. So if you, somebody, you have to ask yourself, what is it that you like to do? Do you like to do team sports? Is it worth you joining a club and doing something which has that social interaction as well? Are you somebody who likes to train on your own? So maybe going to the gym, maybe doing weight training and things at home, if that's something that you prefer, or do you want to just do go in and join a club or something like that? It's whatever is personal for you and you feel like you can maintain. But it's good to get a good balance of cardio, strength training, and some kind of stretch, meditation, and release as well would be a perfect balance. So what would your ideal work week look like then? If you had, let's say four hour-long slots in a one-week period, what would you do for the first hour, the second hour, the third hour, and the fourth hour? Because you've mentioned different types of exercise there and included things like stretching and yoga. So would it be an hour of yoga and an hour of strength training and an hour of cardio? Or what would you look for if you were going to put a pin on it and say that's a good mix? Well, if we look at a general population, obviously if it was a sports-specific person and they were looking to like train for a marathon or something like that, there'd obviously be a higher element of running and obviously your strength and stretch. However, as I get older, I'm finding that variety is the key. So I like to get in at least two weight training sessions a week. I like to have two cardio sessions. And also I will try and make that time, which I, I struggle to, but I try and make that time for the yoga because it's not something I particularly enjoy, but the yoga and the stretch keeps me injury free to do the other things that I love. So it's so vital. So I would always say variety is key. Brilliant. Thank you. That's really helpful. Let's move on to the last one then. So nutrition is what we've got left. And I'd like to pose the question in the same way. So when you're under stress in an environment like busy working office, lots of meetings, lots of things, it can sometimes be hard to have the right foods to hand or have that kind of three meals a day planned and prepped. So what are the tips around the edges to try and help maintain healthy nutrition when you're under stress? Yeah, you said the word there, planning. And although this is my downfall, I'd say that if ever I'm going to creep into the red is because of my planning of nutrition. When I'm busy, I tend to not even want to think about eating. I'll have breakfast and then maybe not eat till the evening. So it's about planning ahead and just finding ways that you can have snacks with you. Maybe a bag of nuts, some fruits, just some cut up vegetables, just to have with you so you have got something to hand if you get hungry. What tends to happen is we don't eat, our blood sugar levels then drop and then we crave something really, really sweet and that's when we make those bad choices. We're very lucky now that places locally to where you might work, if you work in the city, do cater for different tastes and also they just give more variety for healthy snacks in some of the main chains now, whereas before they didn't. So it's a case of reading labels and just making sure if you are out and about and you have to grab something on the go, that what you're eating is as wholesome as possible. So if somebody was starting their journey physiologically, trying to underpin their performance, make sure they started feeling a bit healthier, a bit better, more able to perform, 
those people that are starting out, what would your kind of top tips for them be as they start this journey and they start to make change happen? Okay, the first thing I will ask anybody is what their why is. Why are they doing this? And actually, sometimes people need to go away and they need to think about this, about why it is actually they want to do them. Because there's no point somebody saying to me, I want to lose two stone. That's fine. But why do they want to lose two stone? What is the reason they're losing that? Is it to give them more self-confidence? Is it for health reasons? And once they know that why, they're going to be so much more likely to achieve it. Because when you're lacking in motivation, when you're just really not feeling like training or eating healthily, all you have to do is remind yourself of that why, why you're doing this, and why eventually when you hit your goal, it's going to be worthwhile. So I'd always say to start off finding out their why. And then also to make sure they know that it doesn't have to be extreme. Lots of people say no pain, no gain, and that's not the case. As I said earlier, it's about building that exercise into your daily diet. It's about maybe swapping to healthier choices rather than stopping. If you love having coffee, there is no point stopping having your coffee. It's finding healthy alternatives. And that goes for food as well. If you love chocolate, then do not cut your chocolate out of your diet completely because you're going to crave it even more. So it's making sure people are clear that you want to swap things. Don't stop them because you want this to be a long-term healthy diet rather than just a diet. I don't like to use the word diet, but a long-term lifestyle change rather than a diet. Okay, thank you, Becky. Um, some really interesting tips and some good questions and challenge as well. I think I'm a way to think about my why. So thanks very much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. Continue the journey at www.theculturebuilders.com.